From the Allen Media Worldwide Headquarters Studios high atop two Turtle Creek Tower, this is Deconstructing Dallas. Greetings, everyone. I am Ryan Trimble coming to you live from the heart of Dallas, Texas, joined today by the very well-dressed, very dapper Sean Williams. Sean, good day, sir. What's up, Ryan? I did get the memo. It is suit with no tie day here at Allen Media. Maybe we'll have to post this, you know, to the Twitter. But yeah, it is good to be here with you today for a very, very fun show uh, with a very, as one of our Twitter listeners said, a very big guest today. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, as you know, no ties used to be what I used to call casual Friday. Even when I first started here, I mean, I, I think I may have seen you wear jeans to the office <laughs> once, maybe. That's maybe. a big maybe. Yeah, That's a very big maybe. maybe. And I think it yeah. was maybe the day that we went to Frisco to put out the Santa hats. Maybe you had on jeans that day. <laughs> yeah, Suzanne Massey, our great client over at SMU, said, please don't wear a suit to do this. So uh, I obliged and did not and wear it was, a suit. And it was kind of funny because then there was a guy out there with a the suit who was also putting Santa hats <laughs> out <laughs> That's of the right. stadium. But it was not me. It was not But you. as you know, Sean, um, uh, as the vice president, uh, Mike Pence, said when he was in town recently, uh, he's from the Joseph A. Bank wing of the Republican Party. <laughs> and uh, I think that applies to Are me also, as well. And I'll yeah. send you the uh, the coupon for 70% you have, you off. You have sent me <laughs> some Joseph A. Bank's coupons. And yeah. we both ended up shopping there in Austin when we were down um, for an event uh, that we did down there. So. <laughs> Yeah, it was a fun event. It was a little cold that night, but uh, we were getting ready for the launch of the African American History Memorial. Um, the and the unveiling of the very, very uh, timely, well-done, well-placed memorial that is on the grounds of the state capitol, something that we will be talking to our guest about. And she is 13-term state representative and chair of the Texas Legislative Black Caucus. Because Helen Giddings is going to be joining us a little later. That's right. Very excited to uh, to sit down with Representative Giddings. Um, I've known her for, gosh, I got to know her early on in my legislative career. Um, she uh, used to serve as the co-chair of the Dallas area legislative delegation. She was the Democrat co-chair. My boss, uh, Chairman Dan Branch, was the Republican co-chair. So uh, having worked with Representative Giddings for a long time, uh, I was ex- I'm excited to get to sit down with her. And I know you've also done a lot of work besides the African-American History Memorial with Representative Giddings, Sean. And we, we are currently working with Representative Giddings on the Dallas Women's Summit that she's going to be talking talking about here um, when we get to, to speak with her. I wanted to jump before we talked a little bit more about Representative Giddings on something that I introduced you to on a professional level here uh, because we are really into research here. We want to make sure we are up to date on the latest and greatest trends in our industry. And so I just just dropped on you the Wendy's mixtape. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about industry trends. I mean, this thing is solid gold. It's delightful. If you haven't listened to it, you need to go online and, and uh, check out the Wendy's mixtape. Sean, thank you for bringing it to my attention. Let's just drop a couple of bars right now. Let's let Wendy hit us with some of that high fire. <laughs> Sounds good. You gonna get that work. <laughs> Red 
head with some pigtails Better check the score these meals sell Now that's better, I'm so clever My bar's chilly, better grab a sweater You block my tweets, can't squash the beef Now you check my feet and your eyes swelling How you love that? These straight facts Trying to take the swag, but we don't want it back I'm a boss chick, and they hate with that But we tried your food, where the flavor at? You number one, that's a joke Why your ice cream machine always broke? Why your drive through always slow? Why your innovation just can't grow? It's queen when you need to say mo Nope, uh That baconator go crazy That spicy chicken go crazy You can take a fry and dip it in a sauce It still be so tasty mm. Them little tweets don't face me No McDonald's be so You know, I think we both have talked before about the Wendy's Twitter feed and how responsive they are, how reactive they are, and how they are not afraid to go after their competitors. They will lay the smack down on Twitter. It's a great follow. If you uh, if you need some snark in your life, uh, go follow the Wendy's Twitter feed. It's hilarious. Yeah, I would, again, encourage anyone to go check out the Wendy's mixtape. It is available on Spotify. We beefing with some <laughs> great tracks like Rest in Grease, Holding It Down, Twitter Fingers, and Four for Four Dollars. <laughs> so, um, but but back to our, our guest. I was really enlightened by a press conference that we went to where we were able to engage some of our clients with Representative Helen Giddings on something she's very passionate about, and that is lunch shaming. That's right. Uh, during the last legislative session, Representative Giddings uh, uh, took the lead on an issue, uh, lunch shaming, which not a lot of people were familiar with at the time. But what I wanted to do now, Sean, was uh, play some of the audio from Representative Giddings' uh, personal privilege speech that she gave on the House floor during the end of the legislative session. So let's go to that audio now. A child goes through the cafeteria line, chooses a lunch, goes to the cashier, gives the cashier their pen. And in many school districts, if that account has no money, that lunch is taken. It is thrown in the trash. That lunch is taken. It's thrown in the trash, often in the face of that child. Some of these children are as young as four. Now, the hot meal is thrown into the trash, and the student is given the equivalent of this milk, these crackers, and this cheese. And I ask you, how humane is that? And would you want that to happen to your child? You know, Representative Giddings is so eloquent in the way that she explains that because I don't think any of us would want that for our children. And again, I applaud her for her efforts to make sure that we all are aware of it and to do something about it. And we'll hear more from her a little bit later during our interview about how she did engage on this issue. But right now we are going to go to our first break. This is Deconstructing Dallas. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, Ryan here. I know it's almost baseball season, but let me tell you what, I'm already looking forward to getting back out on the boulevard and then getting into Gerald J. Ford Stadium and seeing the mighty Mustangs of SMU take to the field to kick off the Sunny Dykes era. And right now, you you too can join me. For just $99, you can be the proud owner of season tickets for SMU football. That's right, $99 gets you 
in-zone seating for all home games for the 2018 season. This includes great matchups like games against TCU, University of Houston, and Memphis. So log on today, smumustangs.com, or call 214-SMU-GAME today. That's right, $99 season tickets for SMU Mustangs football. Pony up. to deconstructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. We are very honored today to talk to someone that we've had a chance to work with on multiple occasions in our time with Allen Media. And we are here in the office of State Representative Helen Giddings, representing House District 109, the 13-term representative, as well as the chair of the Texas Legislative Black Caucus. Again, it is Representative Helen Giddings. Representative Giddings, thank you for spending some time with us today. Thank you both very much for having me. I'm delighted. Well, Representative, it's a pleasure again to be with you. And I first got to know you during my time with uh, Representative Dan Branch when you were the Democrat co-chair of the of the Dallas area legislative delegation. Chairman Branch chaired the Repu- was the Republican co-chair, and so I was privileged to see part of your illustrious career and see some of the great things you've done. But what? What would you say? I, I wanted to just get your observations on what's changed in the legislature, uh, you know, just your sense of the legislature overall, and, and you know, look into your crystal ball into the future. Well, let me just start by saying it, it was such a delight to have the opportunity to co-chair the Dallas delegation uh, with Dan Branch. I think uh, we found a way uh, to work across the aisle and do what was in the best interest of Dallas. And I think in that regard, uh, we set uh, a great example and one that I hope will continue uh, to be uh, carried out. As has been said, I'm in my 13th term uh, and uh, I will be working as hard as I can until 11.59 on January the 9th of 2019. <laughs> and, you know, I I know what a blessing it is to be one of 150 members of the Texas House. And together, we represent approximately 28 million people. And that is a tremendous gift and to have been re-elected um, 13 times uh, is, is a gift that the people gave to me. So my priority has been trying to be a voice for those people who sent me there. Mm-hmm. And my particular priority has always been doing everything I can for children and helping each and every one of them to reach their maximum potential. You've, you alluded to it, but we didn't explicitly say it, but you are not seeking re-election. I am, I am not seeking re-election. And so as you look back, and I know you're going to be working up until the very end, but can you look back to this point and say what you feel has been uh, the accomplishment legislatively or as an elected member, uh, the accomplishment that you are most proud of? And let me just say that I'm fortunate because there have been so many. And uh, for me, the most significant one, and I think the one that will always be 
uh, most significant uh, for me is passing the alcohol-free zone around schools. That was the most difficult fight that I have ever been in. There were 70, 70 lobbyists hired to fight against that bill. And the kids over at Pearl C. Anderson called me over one day and asked me uh, to speak to them. And the rule in my office is if somebody calls and asks me to do a speech, you have to ask them how many people's going to be there, what is the subject, how many minutes do you want her to talk. But the rule also is if a kid calls, don't ask them any questions, just set up the appointment. Because if I can't handle a kid, you know, I don't need to be in the job. But when I when I showed up over at Pearl C. Anderson and started talking about how old you have to be to be a state representative, uh, you know, to go out and get, you know, these signatures and pay $750 and all this, this young man stood up in the back of the classroom and said, Representative Giddings, we know all that. Uh, We called you here because we have a problem. We've been to the police department. We've been to the Dallas Independent School Board. We've been to the city council. We've been to the city plan commission. No one has helped us. And somebody said, have you called Helen Giddings? And I thought, this is a pretty easy deal here. Uh, And so I said to the students, I said, now, remember, I'm new. And Austin is a seniority kind of town. I don't have much seniority. And what that equates to is I don't have much power. But I think this is something that we can get done. Wow. Uh, I thought, who could be against this? (laughs) Everybody, it seemed, (laughs) was against it. Certainly not everybody. Uh, But uh, there was enough opposition that there were 70 lobbyists hired. And uh, it was probably most one of the most skillful things I've ever done, but also one of the toughest things I've ever done. Generally speaking in Austin, if they don't want you to pass a bill, as you know, Ryan, they just don't give you a hearing. Uh, And in this case, they gave me a hearing because they thought, she's new here, what does she know? They thought, not much. When they came into the hearing room, every television station in the state of Texas had a camera there. You could not even get in the room, barely, for the cameras. Every news outlet was there. Steve Bartlett was the mayor. He testified. The police chief was one of my witnesses. He testified. John Wally Price testified. Royce West testified. Jesse Jones testified. Charlotte Mays, who was the city council person, testified. Diane Ragsdale testified. The the uh, uh, president of the homeowners association testified, and forty six kids. And even then, I couldn't get the bill passed. Uh, they kept the bill tied up. And in order for me to pass that bill, I had to go out and work with two constitutional lawyers, and they came and gave me a way to actually amend the alcohol beverage code through the education code. So it was the toughest thing I have ever done. It was also the most gratifying because these were poor kids. And with and it w- this would not happen to any kids except poor kids having to pass by 20 alcohol-related businesses to and from school. It was just wrong. Uh, on the heels of that uh, story, I wanted to talk about one of the other stories, and I was so proud to know you in this moment after the last legislative session when um, your bill on lunch shaming had been killed during a, a an interesting uh, day or so of events uh, on the local calendar. 
you got everybody together and you stood up against lunch shaming. Can you talk a little bit about that? I know our, our client Walmart was proud to be a part of that effort. And we were at the and press we were conference. At the press conference when you announced this. I mean, I was so proud to know you in that moment. So can you discuss that a little bit? Sure. That bill was killed four times on a technicality because uh-huh. there are certain bills like alcohol-free zone and lunch shaming that if you ever get it before the floor, there are very few people who have the courage to to uh, vote against it. Mm-hmm. And so it was, quite frankly, the Tea Party that killed it four times on technicalities. And finally, as you well know, I was able to attach it to a Senate bill uh, by Cokehurst. But I felt very strongly that I had an obligation and a responsibility to stand up for the least of those. And I just couldn't imagine what it must feel like to be a little kid and have your lunch taken away from you and thrown in the trash. Kids as young as four years old, what is the message that that sends? That we don't really care about you. That we'd rather put your lunch in the trash than to give it to you. And then, once we pass that, I wanted to go to the private sector, which I did, and say, okay, now let's help these schools. So with people like uh, Walmart, and um, you know, they gave fifty thousand. AT and T gave ten, and I could go on down the line. We raised over two hundred thousand dollars to give schools that didn't treat these children in this manner uh, some relief. So I was very proud of the the private sector for coming forth, and uh, I was very pleased because, you know, you do that to a kid, you uh, basically diminish their self-esteem, you embarrass them in front of their peers. That is something that doesn't go away the next day or the week after that or even next month. It's something that can follow them for life. Well, Representative Gibson, not only are you not running for re-election, but also Speaker Strauss has announced that he is not going to be running for re-election. So we're going to ask you to kind of get again into the the future predicting. Well, maybe not predicting, but just how do you see the speaker's race playing out? Because there's there have already been folks who some who have announced that they are interested. Some are asking around. So how do you see um, the process playing out for the next speaker of the House? Well, I think we're going to have more people who are going to enter this race. Uh, right now, we have Phil King, we have John uh, Zerwas, and uh, Tan Parker. Uh, John Zerwas, whom I've worked with on appropriations, would be a heck of a great speaker. Um, I, I would not want to, you know, place odds on his his uh, chances of getting there, but he would certainly do a good job. Phil King is very interesting in that Phil King came into the legislature as a moderate Republican and somebody who tried to work with everybody. And as we've seen the Tea Party and Empower Texas and all these groups come along, this is my opinion. Phil didn't tell me that, but I've seen Phil move, you know, more to that ultra uh, conservative. But the one thing he has going for him is, or one of the things, is integrity. I mean, Phil's word is good. I've worked with Phil on a lot of things, including this lunch shaming, including uh, resource officers in schools, things that, you know, a lot of Republicans would sort of 
shy away from and say no to. But if I went to Phil and talked to him about what it was I was trying to do, he was independent enough to take a stand against the majority of the Republicans. This is Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with Representative Helen Giddings. Thanks for coming on. See you after the break. We are talking to the chair of the Texas Legislative Black Caucus State, Representative Helen Giddings. And Representative Giddings, I wanted to talk about one of my first memories and work. Well, my very first memory working with you <laughs> is that you called me one evening last, well, October of 2016. And, and you, you told me about a project you were working on, the Texas African-American History Memorial to be built on the grounds of the Texas State Capitol. And I was not long in my job. And you, you talked about needing someone to work with you as far as the program, as far as media outreach. And I thought, wow, first off, I'm on the phone with Representative Heaven Giddings, but I need to get past <laughs> that and think about the job that I'm doing. But um, I can say, without a doubt, that has been one of the most significant events that I've had a chance to work on in my career. And it's one of the most significant things I've worked on as far as, you know, just people of Texas and what it means for everyone. So can you talk about your role uh, in, in bringing that memorial to fruition on the grounds of the state capitol and, and what it means to you even just when you still go by and see it now? It, it is such a sense of pride. Uh, when I pass by that memorial, my eyes almost always well up with tears as it might right now uh, because On the whole Capitol grounds, there was no monument, no statue or anything that spoke to African-Americans and their experiences in Texas. And there were Confederate monuments and all kinds of monuments all over the place. And it was actually Al Edwards who came up with the idea of a Juneteenth monument. And once we got to thinking about it, we said, but African-Americans are more than Juneteenth. We need to talk about the whole African-American experience from the first person uh, who was black who set foot on on the soil of Texas uh, to the recent past. Obviously, we could not talk about anybody who's still alive because we have a rule um, in House administration that says no one who is still alive can be on a a monument. So it was a project that was a long time coming. We got the Juneteenth monument. It wasn't what we wanted, but Al Edwards started that, and he will always be the father of the idea. And then the state was willing to appropriate enough money to pay for half of it, and we had to raise the money to pay for the other half. And as you can imagine, the prices keep going up uh, as uh, you go uh, the longer the project goes. And so it looked like something that um, was just a dream. And then Sylvester Turner 
uh, was elected chair of the Texas Legislative Black Caucus, and he said, Helen, uh, we need to do this. We need to make this happen, and uh, I need you to play a pivotal role in this. I know that you can raise money uh, for charitable causes, and uh, you need to put this one at the top of your list right now. And so uh, we were able to raise the money and hired Ed Dwight out of Denver, Colorado, to design this statue. That is absolutely, totally uh, magnificent. It's amazing. Uh, it is amazing. It really is. We are so proud of it. We we just don't think there's anything comparable in uh, any state uh, around the country. And I take so much pride in that because now we believe that it is the most visited monument on the Capitol grounds. Maybe that's because it's new, but also maybe it's because people have never had an opportunity to really look at the kind of contributions that African Americans have made in this state. And so, you know, it's all the way from uh, boxing uh, with uh, Johnson to music with Scott Joplin to Bessie Coleman in aviation uh, and uh, astronaut. Uh, it, it's it's it gives a real good glimpse of our contributions uh, in the state of Texas. It, it's an incredible monument. I got to visit the Lorraine Motel recently up in Memphis, and I, and I, I in the lobby they have a similar, not similar, but they have a monument, and it made me think back to the to the opening of that monument. And you had mentioned Sylvester Turner, and I know he was a key player in that. Former state representative Sylvester Turner, now mayor of Houston, Sylvester Turner. I wanted to ask you, because I know you all were deskmates for a long time, you said 20 years, yes. and uh, I know y'all's relationship has been long and you've worked on a lot of projects together, so can you tell us a little bit about Mayor Turner and your relationship, your working relationship with him? Well, let me tell you how it started. I was a freshman, and I was told that uh, freshmen couldn't pass bills, and I thought, this is a great opportunity for me to get a heck of a lot of practice and I'm going to be ready you know when I become a sophomore so I just started filing these bills and they just started giving me these hearings and much to my surprise these bills started coming out of the committee and they were going to be on the floor and I was like oh my goodness what do I do now they weren't supposed to come out of the committee (laughs) and uh, the first bill that uh, came to the floor was a link deposit bill which Texas hadn't had at the time, and it was a bill that was intended to help uh, minorities. You said to the bank that if they did certain things in terms of minority businesses, then the state would make more deposits in their bank and that kind of thing. So I literally stayed up all night long practicing my presentation, recording it, determining where my voice should go up and where it should fall. And I was presenting that bill, and I was waxing eloquently. You know, it's probably the best presentation I ever made, and it probably should be because I've never practiced one that long. And so this person walked up behind me and said, move approval and sit down. And... I didn't know him from a bar of soap, Uh, but I did move approval. And instead of sitting down, I went over to his desk and I said, is there a problem? I don't think I really know you. And he said, 
Well, were you trying to pass that bill or did you want to show these people how eloquent you are? <laughs> and I said, well, I wanted to pass the bill and I thought I needed to explain it. And he said, I think what you were just about to do is to wake these people up and you were about to lose the bill. He said, half these people out here are asleep. When a freshman, <laughs> when a freshman gets to the mic, they don't pay you any attention because they don't think you're passing anything worthwhile or you wouldn't have gotten it to this point. And so that started a friendship that lasted until uh, he left uh, to run for the mayor the third time. The first two times, obviously, he didn't win. And uh, the third time, uh, he was uh, very successful. But we were deskmates uh, in the Capitol. We were suite mates. Our offices were right next door to each other. And our condos were next door to each other in the same building. So um, much of what uh, I have done early on I did in partnership with Sylvester Turner. Many people don't know until today that there's an urban institute at the University of Texas that's set up specifically to study issues that have to do with African-Americans in the state of Texas. And each year they're supposed to uh, put out a publication, uh, the state of African-Americans in Texas as it relates to education, as it relates to economic development and that kind of thing. It's a deal that Sylvester Turner and I worked out. We also worked out a deal where there would be $2 million endowed chairs in the Department of Black Studies. And those were great partnerships because I'm very good at concepts not quite as good in my mind as negotiating. So Sylvester would say, okay, Helen, so you know, you say we need this institute. Uh, yes, this needs to be part of what we leave behind. This needs to be a part of our legacy. This needs to be a part of what we think is going to be a boost uh, to uh, the Texas Legislative Black Caucus in the future. So he said, okay, put it down, show me what it looks like, whatever. So uh, I put my concept down, what it looked like, how much money it was going to take, and whatever. Passed it off to Turner, and he said, okay, I'll go meet, see if I can work this out. So he came back and he said, I worked it out. It's a deal. And I said, did you get anything in writing? He said, no. I said, go get this in writing, you know, because, and so he went and got it uh, in writing because he is a great, great uh, negotiator. And uh, that was a big win. And to, to this day, most people don't know about it because, you know, President Powers, um, he sold it as his idea <laughs> instead of as our idea. And that we were okay with that. We didn't care about getting the credit. We just wanted to get the get the deal done. It's all part and, of the negotiation. Yes, and, and so the Urban Institute sits there today, and uh, hopefully it will it will grow and play an even larger role in terms of of uh, trying to move this uh, state forward uh, as it relates to uh, diversity. This is Deconstructing Dallas. Sean Williams. Ryan Trimble, we are with State Representative Helen Giddings. Representative Giddings, we have an opportunity now to be working with you on a project, and it's another exciting opportunity for us, and it addresses a concern that I, I know I've heard you mention, and that is leadership in our city here in Dallas. And we are working with you on the Women's Leadership Summit 
that is coming up and it is targeted towards growing leadership, specifically with African-American women. And so I wanted to ask you about your idea of, of coming up with this summit, as well as the, the group of ladies and your committee that is working with you on this event. It is a wonderful uh, project that we've embar- embarked upon, and I'm so pleased to have a wonderful um, committee working uh, with me on this, women who are basically at the top of uh, their game. and. I think it's going to be such an exciting event. I have long been concerned about women and leadership and the fact that uh, our numbers are not what they should be, whether we're talking about corporate boards, uh, whether we're talking about uh, leading uh, corporations, uh, leading nonprofits. In the Texas House of Representatives, 150 of us and 29 uh, of us are women. Uh, And then I look at the Dallas City Council, and as a native Dallasite, I realized that for the first time in over 35 years, there's not an African-American woman on the Dallas City Council. Uh, I like all the guys that are on there, uh, but I do think we ought to have an African-American woman on there or women of color, period. There's not even a woman of color. I mean, we're going all the way back to um, Juanita Craft and and Lucy Patterson and and uh, Maddie Nash and Diane Ragsdale and, you know, Elsie Faye Hagens and, and, you know, and you come on and last time there were, were two African-Americans. So for the first time in over 35 years, there are no African-American women or women of color, uh, for that matter, serving on the Dallas City Council. And so I think we need to do more to basically get together and work on our personal growth and work on our professional development. And I hope when these women leave, they're going to be better equipped. They're going to be inspired. They're going to be uh, motivated and that they will have seen role models and women at the top of their game. And I'll give you an example. One of the women uh, that's going to kick it off, the woman that's going to kick off uh, Thursday night, is uh, Daryl McKissick. Daryl McKissick's company is McKissick and McKissick. And McKissick and McKissick was uh, the lead on the Martin Luther King uh, Jr. statue in Washington. Uh, Daryl McKissick's company was the lead on the African American Museum in Washington, D.C. And right now, Daryl McKissick's company is the lead on the Obama Library. So that is the caliber Mm -hmm. and the quality of leaders that we're going to have there. So we're going to have 100 African American women sharing and learning from one another. And that is going to be coming up in April. April 13th and 14th at the Renaissance Hotel. And uh, for the most part, uh, this is an, an invitation um, gathering. And if there are people who want to self-nominate, we're happy to have that happen. Well, I can say if anyone does want to self-nominate, you can email info at dallaswomenssummit.org if you want to take Representative Giddings up on her offer, info at dallaswomenssummit.org. 
Representative, it's always a pleasure to see you. Thank you for coming on today. Any, any, it, would you like to offer uh, our listeners a chance to follow you on Facebook or, or Twitter or any social media channels? I know, but it's delightful to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for your time. This is Deconstructing Dallas. We will be right back to close out our show right after this short break. Thank you. Deconstructing Dallas. Brian, that was a really, really fun conversation. We had a really great time that we spent in the office of Representative Helen Giddings, and she has been a pleasure to work with over these years. Yeah, always great to get to sit down with her, and that was uh, really fun. I didn't know the backstory between her and Mayor Turner. So that, that was neat to We got to the inside the, scoop. Yeah, and that's the kind of scoop we bring to you uh, here at Deconstructing Dallas. But, Sean, I wanted to pause for just a minute. Uh, I know you are a friend of uh, Dallas ISD, board trustee uh, Miguel Solis, as well as several other folks around here, Aaron Ragsdale, uh, one of our great team members here at Allen Media. We just wanted to uh, remind you all and encourage you all to keep Miguel and his wife and their, their one-month-old daughter in your thoughts and prayers. Uh, we know that uh, she's had some health issues, uh, some some cardiac issues, and and doggone it, she's she's in there fighting, and she's uh, fighting, and the family has been fighting, and so I think it's uh, definitely worth all of us thinking a good prayer for Miguel and his family. Send sending our love and, and thoughts and prayers, and uh, a big big thanks to the uh, great team at Children's Medical. Uh, they. As Miguel said, they are doing a great job of making an absurd and abnormal situation as normal as as it could possibly be. So thanks, Children's Medical, and uh, God bless you, Solis family. Miguel and his family have been using the hashtag LiveStrong for their dollar Olivia, L-I-V, strong, so you can follow them there and know that our thoughts and prayers are with you. We want to thank State Representative Helen Giddings. We want to thank her staff, Tamara Sadler and Stephanie Clark, for their time, for helping us get this interview set up. We want to thank Mary Woodley. We want to thank Jennifer Pascal. Please take a listen to our podcast on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Make sure you like, make sure you favorite, make sure you share. This is Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. Check us out next week. Thank you very much. Adios.